Good evening and welcome to another episode of Transatlantic History Ramblings with Lauren and Brian. This is Brian in Buffalo, New York, USA, and with me as always is Lauren from Swansea. Now, I, 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 I really don't care how you are, Brian. I have seen on Facebook that you and a friend of yours, who will remain nameless to protect her, because it was really you that did it, um, perpetrated a crime today. I don't know what you're talking about, Lauren. <laughs> what did you do, Ryan? I went and had my blood work done from my diabetes, and uh, that, that was it. Are you sure, Brian, that was it? Are, are you talking about the coffee mug? I am talking about the coffee mug. Okay. Okay, how do I explain this? Well, for the first time in over a year, I went into a restaurant. Can you believe that? Anyway, um, went and had my blood work, and then we decided to get some breakfast. And she's like, oh, let's get some breakfast. And then she's like, oh, I really like this coffee mug. And I, we, we have the coffee mug now. How did you have? How did you get the coffee mug? Did you? Was it for sale? Did they have them for sale? Like, I asked. I asked the waiter. I said, "Hey, these coffee mugs are great. How much are they?" And he said, "We don't sell them." Oh, so so who did the swiping? The waiter. The waiter stole it for you. Yeah, technically. Okay, here's the full story, just so that you know. You're not really claiming I'm implemented in a crime. You know, we're eating breakfast, and I really liked the coffee mug. It had a cute little saying on it, and I wanted it. And the waiter came over to refill my coffee, and I said, Excuse me, sir, in my most polite tone, how much are these wonderful coffee mugs? And he said, Aren't they fantastic? You know, we used to sell them, but we don't anymore. And I said, Well, that's too bad, because I'd really like this coffee mug. He nodded. And when he came back over to refill my coffee again, he had another mug in his hand and he put it on the chair next to me. He said, and here's your extra mug, sir. Oh, you gifted the mug. Well, yeah, technically. And uh, so you know what I did after that? You tipped him? I tipped him an extra $10. Well, that would have been the price of the mug anyway. Yeah, that's exactly. But so technically, no, there was no crime committed. Um, well, except by the waiter, and I'm not going to say where because they might fire him. But yeah, I got well, a coffee. No, no, I got a it coffee. It was a mug. gift. As much I could put with like the other hundred coffee mugs I have, including my Transatlantic History Ramblings coffee mug, which I got mm-hmm. from our merch store. Which you know anybody can go to our merch store. And you can get Transatlantic History Ramblings t-shirts or hoodies or coffee mugs or stickers or pictures. Well, there's no pictures, are there? No. Should we sell autographed pictures? No. Nobody's going to want that. I don't know. I collect autographed pictures. You want an autographed picture of me? Yes. You want an autographed copy of my book? (laughs) Lauren, can I have yeah. your autograph? Of course you can. Aww. Can Cleo have one too? 
Yeah, Cleo could have one more than you. Speaking She's of my Cleo, biggest fan. Oh, Cleo's being a good girl today. She's just laying right next to Daddy here. She's not trying to photobomb the camera. Uh, that won't last long. Um, no. Remember when she photobombed Hollywood? Yeah, I think she did that on purpose. She did. Because she, she heard that we were talking about other cats, and she was like, I'm not having that. No, see, Sarah sent Cleo on a mission and says, I have a feeling Daddy's looking for a new mommy. <sighs> you better go interrupt it. Yeah. And my master plan almost worked. I almost got Hollywood to admit she would have married me. I think she did. Oh. You know, I might do that to our guest tonight. With one of them, anyway. Oh, yeah, you're in love with him. Yeah. Oh, my God, I am so excited about tonight's show, Lauren. As excited as you were about Hollywood. A different kind of excitement. There's There's tingles. Nobody needed to know that. <laughs> Lauren, I, I, I gotta I gotta talk about who our guests are before we go on to any of our other news today because I am so excited about this because Well, first off, you are so sick of me talking about this film, I'm sure. So sick I had to watch it myself. But for the past year I've been raving about the film Scare Package. On and on and on and on with everybody I know talking about Scare Package and making everybody watch Scare Package and sending people gift copies of Scare Package. Poor Sarah, I think, has had to see Scare Package at least a dozen times. Is that what she got for her birthday and for Christmas? No, but we did send it to her brother and her brother's girlfriend for Christmas. <laughs> we sent a copy. Uh. But I worked my magic. And I not, I got not only the director, the creator, the producer, the guy who came up with the whole idea, Mr. Aaron B. Koontz. But Sarah, you ready for this? Sarah's right here looking at me like I'm nuts. Ready for this, Sarah? What? Yeah. I also got Rad Chad. <laughs> yes, Jeremy King, the star of Scare Package, and the man, because he is the wallpaper on my phone now, is coming out. What? Yeah, that he... should be Sarah. That's Sarah's place. Yeah, I. <laughs> Red Chad is my wallpaper on my phone. You're laughing at me. Yeah. Yeah. She de you deserve that laughter. But he's coming on. He doesn't know what mm. he's in for. No, he he's gonna leave traumatized. Probably. Or I'm gonna have a best friend, or a best best friend. I don't know which one it'll be. Or or a, or a restraining order. Could be, a re <laughs> could be a restraining order. Yeah. Oh, Lauren, how are you? Other than that, before, you know, with all my giddiness, how are you doing? I'm all right. We're <clears throat> slowly emerging from lockdown. Yeah. You can go to a restaurant and steal a coffee mug soon. No. Well, well you could. Well, I don't... Well, uh, out Air uh, Hospitality is opening up on the 26th of April. It's already open in England. So I can go to England and have a coffee outside, but I can't, like, go down 
anywhere in Wales and have a coffee. It's very weird because we can now travel outside of Wales again. Lauren? We're free. Yes. Lauren? Can't you even go to Tim Hortons and get a coffee? Because I know you have a Tim Hortons there in in, in, in Swansea, I think. Not now. We don't at the moment. It's due negotiation. It's not here just yet. But no, I can't because the, at the moment, the one that's closest to me is in Cardiff. And that is closed. Is it a giant one? Uh, no. They used to have two quite close together, but they were too close together. It didn't really work out. You didn't even get that I was making fun of the Cardiff Giant, did you? No. Are they embarrassed by that now in Cardiff? Nobody really talks about it. You know, we should do a show on the Cardiff Giant, because that's one of the great hoaxes in the history of the world. Well, we have giants in our mythology, so I don't think we'd be embarrassed by it. Like, nobody really talks about it anymore. But it was a great hoax. Yeah. Also, the the time that um, the Nelson's Column got sold to American, that was a good one. And, and London Bridge. That was brilliant. But yeah, no one talks about Cardiff Giant, huh? No, no, not really. Swansea ever try to pull any big stunts like that? Wow. <clears throat> well, we somehow got away with the Queen making us a city. That and the fact that uh, there's rumors floating around, and this could be like, you know, a chupacabra thing, that uh, the Hasselhoff's been seen there. Ah, oh, yeah, he has. Like Bigfoot sightings. Mm-hmm. Hasselhoff watch. That's right. Oh, the Hoff. But you don't hassle the Hoff, so... I'd hassle the Hoff. I think we should try to get the Hoff on the show. <laughs> well, that's up there with a... Let's try get William Shatner on the show. I oh, tried. But we could talk to the Hoff about that time he did the musical version of Jekyll and Hyde. I wouldn't even be able to talk. That's why he's not coming on this show, Because <laughs> I'd mentioned the musical because... Jekyll and Hyde. Yes. Yes, he would. Yeah, didn't he do that? Yes. And then you'd be... And then you... And then he'd storm off in a half and we'd have no show. He'd storm off in a half. <laughs> or you would go on about how he made that Jack the Ripper film and you... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was terrible. In a brilliant way. Speaking of Jack the Ripper films. Yeah. We're going to take a deep dive back into the world of Ripperology because I lined up Tom Westcott to come on next week. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so Tom's going to come on, talk about his new projects, talk about, you know, his other books. Uh, You're going to love Tom. But, uh, again, for people who don't know, Lauren and I met through research into the... um, Whitechapel murders. Yeah, but it's kind of just like we bonded over one hilarious guy. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there is no other way to describe him, but he's hilarious, and everything about him is hilarious. His whole life is is hilarious to me. Or frightening. Um, it's a bit more like it's a bit more hilarious because it's kind of like, how did he get away with all this? It's like, was everybody around him just stupid, or just used to go? 
oh, that's just Francis. And then he used to do something so horrible that they're just like, okay, let's just forget that ever happened. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I wrote a script about his life that I've shopped around a bit around Hollywood and independent films. Yeah. And I think I missed the boat on there. I think I should rewrite it and redo it like a Monty Python comedy. Because <laughs> it would probably work that way. Yes, he had the moustache for a Monty Python comedy. But yeah, that's for next week, because this week... But then, but I, I... Go ahead, go I ahead. I just don't get, though, I just don't get how... I just don't get how he got away with what he did for so long, and, and people were just like, meh. Either they just thought he was so eccentric he was harmless, or they didn't quite believe what he was saying. I think it was a little of that. Um, and, you know, we'll bring in our, our Francis Tumblety expert, uh, Michael Hawley, who we did early episodes with. You know, we'll do a whole other show about Tumblety, about how he got away with all this shit. Mike would be a great guest yeah. for that. And can I tell you a little secret, Lauren? What? Nobody knows this. This is like unknown news right now going out on the airwaves Michael Hawley and myself are actually collaborating on a new book now about Tumblety we are co-writing a book uh, together so another book in the works for me another book in the works for Mike and speaking of books look at it Lauren here's my book I see it. It's so pretty. Is that my copy? This is your copy right here. Now, I'm not sending How it. How is that? It... Oh, I, I have to say to to Dan, get well soon, because um, I saw his Facebook post about COVID, and I'm so happy that he's recovering, and I just want to wish him a, get, a very speedy get well. Exactly, and I wanted to tell everybody that uh, Dan was going to come on this episode and we were going to talk about the book, but my co-author, the brilliant Dan Murphy, who really is... The book's The Wrestler's Wrestler, and all about the great wrestlers, but if there was a book called The Wrestler's Writers, Wrestler's Writers, it would be about Dan Murphy, because he is... He's the king. He is the greatest ambassador for wrestling there is, and has been for 30 years, and... um I was honored to be able to work with him. I'm honored that me and him were friends long before he was the king of wrestling. So he's he's the best. And he came down with the dreaded COVID right before the book came out. So a lot of the copies that I'm sending people that we're both going to sign, I can't until he's better and everything's taken care of. But he got it really bad, folks. So people who think this is all over and it's done with... No, it's still out there. Um, and what's really strange is that he's a very healthy, active person. Very. And um, I and he he he. It wasn't that like he didn't accept it. He was just kind of like, oh no, it's just a cold. It's just a cold. And um, then it got so worse that it was COVID all along. So you know, even if you do think that you're getting a spring cold, take it easy. It's not worth. You know, even if it's just a couple of days where you're not feeling too well, you know, just because it's not COVID doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be ill. Yeah, he... So please take it easy, you know, people, I, if you're I, ill. I kept reaching out to him during it, uh, making sure he was okay, and, you know, he uh, he had a bad, he had a really bad case, and he's coming around now, which is great. So we'll do a show with him coming up soon, 
once he's feeling better, once he's back on his feet. And I feel so bad that, you know, he's not on this episode because we were going to do the show about the book. But, Lauren, I'm excited that he's fucking bailed because I got Aaron Koontz and Jeremy King coming on instead. Well, yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm not glad that he has COVID, Brian. <laughs> no. I mean, no, that's really scary that he had COVID, especially because he's so active and everything, and that it affected him so badly. Yeah, and, and Dan, I love you, brother, and I'm glad you're getting better, and, you know, you'll come on soon, and we'll talk even sooner. But uh, fuck you, you're off of this episode because Aaron and Jeremy are going to be here, my new BFFs. Oh, goodness. This this is why people say you're obnoxious, Brian. It, it could, it could be, but uh, it is. So uh, about obnoxiousness, have we had any emails recently? Uh, yeah, yeah, but none of them claiming I'm obnoxious. Um, people have loved the Hollywood episode. We've been getting a lot of feedback on that, and uh, you know, people that saying that it, it was so great. They're going back and rewatching Glow and all the memories it brought back and how great she was and you know people were amazed at how friendly and sweet she was and that wasn't just for the show folks she really is that unbelievable she is and she's so talented as well yes yeah she's your new bff she is lauren stalks gene now I sent her a friend request on Facebook, and it didn't get accepted because I think she has too many friends on Facebook. She does. She has like a, the limit. Uh, she's hit. She's hit the limit. So um, I get to follow her though, and it's amazing. Um, her lives and everything, and her making soap, and I made you buy me soap. I did, and you watch yeah. her work out. I do. It's amazing. Yeah, she's she's unbelievable, folks. <clears throat> Ooh. I hear a doggy. Yeah, my dad's just come home from work and she's going mental now. <laughs> well, I think that maybe we should go on to our <clears throat> Today in History. History, history, history. What you think? I like that. That was really good. All right, so I'll go first. Um, my Today in History, which is April 19th, 1775. Oh, I know where you're going with this because I chose this too, but oh. that's okay. I can choose another one. Yeah. Paul Revere, William Dawes, and Samuel Prescott are captured by British troops riding from Lexington to Concord. You know, Prescott escaped to warn Concord. The British are coming. The British are coming. It was actually Prescott, not Paul Revere. But, you know, the po the poem is, you know, lend in the ear and hear the story of Paul Revere. Paul Revere became the most famous one from that, even though it was Prescott that did the warning. How... Yeah, but his, his name rhymes. Exactly. How fucked up is it that he became the one because his name rhymed? I know. Of course, you know, there was the band Paul Revere and the Raiders. In the 60s, sang the song Kicks. Great song. Sounds a lot better than uh, uh, Samuel Prescott and the Raiders, doesn't it? But Paul Revere, Silversmith, you know. Like, Paul Revere's silver now sells for, like, huge money. It's got his hallmark on it. 
And yet, he was captured. He didn't even do the British are coming, the British are coming. History's fucked up that way. Yeah. But, you know, names that rhyme. My day in history is the 19th of April, 1775. Same year, same uh, day. Yeah. Um, the shot heard around the world. American Revolution begins in Lexington, Massachusetts. The shot heard around the world took place in Concord later that day. Wait a second, that's not the shot heard around the world. What? It's not the shot heard around the world. Is it not? No. Shot heard around the world was the Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No, I I don't. Ralph Branca, Bobby Thompson. The home run. Okay. Because Lauren is such a big baseball fan, I'm surprised she didn't know this. Baseball. I hate baseball. Fancy rounders. Whatever. That was called the shot heard around the world. So when I think of the shot heard around the world, my mind doesn't go to patriotism. It goes to baseball. Which is a different form of patriotism. Yes. Giants win the pennant. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're forever entwined, Ralph Branca and Bobby Thompson. One is the good guy, one is the one is the hero, one is the zero. Oh, I love baseball. Lauren, have I ever mentioned how much I love baseball? Yes, you rather have. Yeah. You know what else I love? Scare Package. I love Scare Package. Scare Package is the movie that got me through the whole COVID thing. Scare Package is the greatest film of the decade. Scare Package is my, my, my obsession, and I am so thrilled that... Fuck it, I'm just going to fire it up. Okay. It's the Magic Interview Box. Alright, and when I'm done flipping this switch, Mr. Aaron B. Koontz, director, producer, writer, creator of Scare Package... One of the directors, I should say, because it is an anthology, and many directors will get into that. But also, Rad, Chad, Buckley himself, Jeremy King, will be on the show. Lauren, so you're ready to flip the switch? I am indeed. Go ahead. All right. All right, Lauren, are you ready for this? I am. You know how... You made me watch this film. Repeatedly, for the past year... And it tests, and there was an essay. Oh, God, Brian. Well, you know, it wasn't just you. You know, it's a good thing I kept my job during COVID because I've spent so much fucking money on this film because, of course, I bought my (laughs) autographed copy, but I also bought, like, a dozen other copies to give to people as gifts. Nice. Oh, God. That's amazing. I am not exaggerating, and, you know, Lauren will tell you, I have just raved about this. Yeah. During this pandemic, when everything hit, everything was miserable. As everybody knows, we've all been in a shit state. Everything's horrible. And I discovered And then I made you watch Tiger King. Yeah, Tiger (laughs) King. That's what she had me watching. And I found this movie. And it's a horror anthology. And I'm like, you know, most horror anthologies really suck. (sighs) Oh! 
It's directed by Aaron B. Koontz. I just watched Camera Obscura. Uh I like that movie. I'll give this a try. And Lauren, it is without a doubt the greatest, not only the greatest anthology horror film ever made, it might be the greatest comedy horror film of all time. And I was able to score not only the director, but okay, this beyond my wildest dreams, because my girlfriend has been making fun of me because Jeremy King, <laughs> Radshead himself, is actually the screensaver on my cell phone now. It's caused a lot of problems in the relationship, Jeremy. I just want to let you know. I, I can see why. I can see why. Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't care. i set you as my screensaver and see if my wife's okay with it. I think she'd love it. I think she would. <laughs> she'd say, um, into the whole bear thing all of a sudden, honey, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Something you want to talk about? But we have got Aaron B. Koontz, the great filmmaker, director, writer, producer, um, stylish guy with these glasses. I mean, these glasses with, like, the whites on them. I mean, these I'm are the ones like... in my Tales from the Stitch that Jeremy just got made for me. I had a, I wore these same glasses for that. So well, We're going to talk about that, too, because I'm a little jealous. I'm a little peanut butter and jelly over those... Uh... <laughs> those crocheted figures of yourself you can you can order them at tales from the stitch on uh she's on uh twitter i did thank you yeah <laughs> you can you can actually order she's more awesome. of them you can order like the ones of you you can order more of those yeah, yeah make... you can order the red shed yeah oh wow i will actually i'll probably do that and send those to a couple of folks as like creepy voodoo dolls so that we can see if I can actually affect you when I'm not around you. But other than that, I'll bring them too. Well, it's not just creepy voodoo dolls. I blew out my ACL. (laughs) My girlfriend's a little nervous. I want to be sleeping with my Rad Chad uh, stuffed toy. (laughs) That's really going to hurt your marriage. It's going to. It's going to hurt. But it's so (laughs) worth it. But seriously, Lauren, can you believe they actually agreed to come on? No, I can't. I, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Because, you know, we've had complaints about you being obnoxious on air. Okay, my girlfriend just said I'm not allowed to order a Jeremy King body pillow. I don't know if you heard her in the background. But you can order a Red Chad body pillow. Can I, yeah, can I get a Red Chad see? body pillow? No, see, you shouldn't have brought it up. If you wouldn't have mentioned it, it could have been a loophole. We are adding, we're looking at other merchandise things, so for future stuff. So I'll, I will add... Jeremy King, Rad Shad, Body Pillow to the potential body list. Okay, so I might stuff, order one Lauren, do you hear this? They said we got a fucking mark on our hands here. We're going to add more <laughs> merchandise because this schmuck will buy it all. Yeah. Well, we're hoping to do more. We want to do more in the scare package world, so hopefully there's other uh, opportunities to add to it. Let's put it that way. Now, but... Before we get into the movie and the interesting stuff, these glasses you're wearing... Yeah, yes. As you can yes. see, I went with the Harold Lloyd glasses, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, some major political figure in the past few years ends up wearing the same ones, and now everyone thinks I'm ripping that off. So <laughs> they're Harold Lloyd, yeah. okay? Film people. No, I get it. Hey, I think glasses are great because you get to. I've never wanted to get LASIK or anything because I feel like every day I can just put on a new face, and it's like a different thing, and I get to change it up, and and uh, so I have like twenty. 20 so uh, pairs of glasses um, and I change them daily pretty much. Plus but these are the good. Superman the thing, right? 
Yeah, it doesn't work for me. Uh, I can't do that. Yeah, if I just do it. I'll knock off my headphones and I'll hit the lamp. Like it's not going to go well. So, <laughs> and I also got to say before we get going, um, having Jeremy and, and Aaron together. Can I call you by your first names? I of just course. turned into Larry King. Of can course. I call you by your first names? <laughs> what happened to the groceries? He, he actually makes me call him Mr. Coons, so this is nice. I actually ask him not to call me. That's really what I yeah, asked first. Not to call him at all, yeah. That's usually... yeah. Then secondly, it's, you He's know. changed his so... number three times just in the past month, but I have connections. Well, you know, when you two are together, uh, Jeremy, you usually end up dead. All right, well, yes, yes. That seems to be a, it seems to be a theme. Uh, I know anytime Aaron calls me, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, how do I die and when does it happen? <laughs> do you have a favorite death so far? Um, I really enjoyed, uh, the death in camera obscura just because it was such a ridiculously long, uh, fight scene and we had such a good time doing it. Um, I, I really enjoyed filming that. There was Um, also one shot in there. It looked like you actually took, did you actually take one real punch? I, I did it all actually. My stunt guy. No, not the stunt. stunt I mean, one of them looked like it connected. Um, well, it was funny because my stunt guy was getting like mad because he's like, I'll do this one. I'm like, no, man, I got it. You know, I've, I've done this before, like no big deal. And, um, but the funny thing was that the, the opening where he walks through the door and I tackle him, <laughs> we practiced that a few times and I, I played football for like 12 years and we got, we, we hit the mat and he was just like, <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> But then the the vase though that goes that gets hit over Jeremy's head that's him taking that he yeah. really broke a vase over his head. So he pretty, actually, we had one of those. Actually, that, you didn't get sugar glass. You said, we'll just crack him over the." No, skull. no. I mean, no. I mean, it was a it was a real movie. We had to. I mean, I would love to have just broken a real vase over Jeremy's head. <laughs> if, that, if I recall what my frustrations were, but um, I say that with love. Like you'll you'll quickly notice that I poke fun. But uh, there's a reason why I keep coming back to him. There's a reason why I keep hiring him. It's because he's delightful. But I also hate him half the time, too. It's like a weird thing. Um, but uh, but there's more love than hate. That's I will true. definitely say that. And I definitely, yeah, so it's always killing Jeremy. And But, yeah, he's a trooper, man. And he took that, uh, it was a breakaway base. But, I mean, it's hard. You know, like that thing had some weight to it. And it was thicker than chat. we thought it was going to be. It was, bo- yeah. I think it's bo- it was supposed to be like the, the real thin sugar glass. And it ended up being... Maybe it was still sugar glass, but it was thick. Yeah, it had a it had a bump. It, it had was a splendid glass. It. it was like fake sugar. <laughs> yeah. That was fun though, because I mean, just that entire that entire sequence with Jeremy. I mean, that's really what kind of you know spawned the whole Buckley world. You know, was from that and how we kind of have a Buckley cinematic universe, if you will, that we've kind of created. Um, that started with Tad Buckley. That was Jeremy's name. He came up with it. He's like, look, I know what my character's name is. It's Tad Buckley. And I'm like, dear God. <laughs> and uh, so then we ran with it. You know, I was like, oh, um, okay, so you own a construction store, hardware store, and you're just a tad better than the rest. And, like, a lot of times, like, Jeremy will give me an idea, and then I just kind of run with it, and we come up with a comedy kind of around that. Um, and it's fun. But a uh, small side note that a lot of people notice is uh, that fight sequence, which was my you know, one of my homages to They Live, the the score to that that Steve Moore did, the actual song is called Frankenata off of They Live. 
So we like a lot of it was modeled off that big fight because one of my favorite fights in all of cinema. It's one of the greatest so like, well, fights in all of fight, cinema. Do it. It's so perfect. It's just so it just goes on for so long, and I love it. I've always loved that. So that was a big part of what we were trying to evoke. And I knew Jeremy was down. I'm about Chris Denham, the lead actor. There was a couple times like he's running up the stairs and he he comes back to me. He puts his hand on my shoulder and he's like, Aaron. You got the take. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of those. Like, we got the take. Let's 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 move on. And uh, but he's an athlete too, you know. But still, because he threw that vase at your head, that was him. There's that part in the kitchen, and that's a sugar that's a sugar glass vase of water, a cucumber water, which is always like a joke to me for like realtors. I feel like I always have cucumber water. And then I had him throw that at you, but he was a pitcher. He's like, I can throw it. Yeah, and it you dropped it. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty hardcore. I was pre- pretty surprised. I was going to watch that back. I'm like, oh my god! I really had one actor throw glass at another actor and just do it. We had a stunt person there. It was safe, but uh, yeah, he, you he's not down. really shocked by that. Also... He's a director. They're all masochists. Oh, that's so true. That's I can't deny that whatsoever. And also, I got to thank you for camera obscure because I know, as Jeremy said, he listens to every episode repeatedly. So there was the exactly. whole dilemma about my tooth. Oh gosh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah and I had to have the oral surgery during. It's good. It's much better, huh? Oh, that's good. But uh, you know, the great. reason I actually agreed to have the surgery was the terrifying image in Camera Obscura of the uh, teeth coming out in the mirror. Oh wow, yeah, that's a dream that I had had many times before. So that was kind of where that kind of came in. Just getting into that nightmare logic world, which I think is fun. And uh, and then I love the fly. Like the fly has such like a gnarly version of that. And I was like, well, what's like a more grounded version? of what that could be and uh yeah it always creeps me out like the idea of your teeth falling out like always creeps me out so that was that was fun to do we had to do that scene twice too with denim because the first scene i just didn't i didn't think it looked gory enough or had the right progression so i had to go back to chris like so i need you to like put this shit all in your mouth again and (laughs) the teeth out another time which is always uh i feel bad but again that's the masochist in me right we already established that so you've already brought up Carpenter and Cronenberg, I mean, you you are a total film nut like I am, aren't you? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, more so than the masochist, I am a I am a cinephile. Yeah, cinephile first, masochist second. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I grew up, you know, my, my arm is nothing but, you know, film tattoos. And I mean, that's what Scare Package is. Scare Package is a love letter to these films that I grew up with and the things that matter to me and you know, and when that, when when shit was tough, and and I was dealing with things in my life, and even still to this day, when I deal with things in my life, like my escape is a movie. You know, I I would put on a movie, and I could be taken away, and I'd be in another world, and you know, the, to get to to now, you know, think of what those ideas was as a kid, and be able to make them is like the coolest shit in the world. Like like truly, nothing could ever be better. I'm the happiest I've ever been. Um, just because we get to make movies all the time. I'm on set right now, and we're in prep for another one, and yeah, it's yeah. just uh, remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, I hate you. <laughs> it was hard, man. Look, it was I'll hard. Second. I'll second that. I've always wanted that film is a major obsession, always has been, um, to the point of, you know, being a dangerous obsession. Um and I've always wanted to do it. I've always wanted to be more involved. In fact, I got an idea for your next project after this one. Cool. You do a mock documentary about all the unfortunate, untimely death of Buckley young men. Wait, wait, are you serious right now? Is this real? It's so or are you funny. just like a, it's this so is a funny. bit? This is a bit. 
I truly, my end game in filmmaking, and it'll be many years from now, hopefully, after <laughs> I've made and killed Mr. Jeremy King so many lovely times. I mean, I want to kill a, a gray-haired Jeremy King so bad. Like, you have no idea. And after all those are done, there will be a mockumentary sitting with the last living King, King member and talking about how all of his brothers and all the times that he's died, you know, in all these movies, he's the last living Buckley, basically. Because um, it'll, be it'll be called the Buckley Chronicles. And then in that mockumentary, he then realizes that, wait a second, the, way, the reason why they all died is because they went to make movies. And now I'm in a movie about that. That means I could die. Then it becomes a slasher in the last act. And, uh, yeah, becomes a thing. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like, 100% I want to make that. Oh, I think so. it would be unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, just like some, like, I love the metaverse of the world and, like, what that can be. And this idea of, because, you know, like, I, I loved, um, like, Tarantino, you know, has these characters that are, like, brothers in different movies and all this stuff. And all these things are connected, you know, and the Vega brothers and all that. And, like, what those things mean. I think that's really cool. And you don't, it's not like you need to watch these to see them connect. But if, if many, many years down the road, you know, Tarantino made a Vega Brothers movie, you'd be like, oh, shit, this is really cool. Like, what does that mean? And if you could, like, tie it into something. And that's kind of, like, the idea in my, like, bullshit version of Tarantino. Well, that's um, what and, and you could yeah. say that because Tarantino is a lot like us in that way because all of those ideas that he has, he took from people like Dushan Makaveev. Yeah. Oh no, a hundred percent. And I mean, look, I worked in a video film store nut too. too. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's there's a kinship there, and I respect that. And I think filmmakers get so caught up in, you know, like what is I, like some of my favorite movies aren't necessarily original. They're just done in an original way. I mean, look, there's anthologies that have been done so many times. My my writing partner Cameron, the whole time he was pitching Scare Package. He's like, look, well, he wasn't pitching Scare Package. He was pitching us to do an anthology, and the reason was we knew all these great filmmakers. We had all these connections to people that we love, like Chris McEnroy and others, and Emily Higgins, and, and all these that we knew, like, hey, these are some really great people that we know that we can make some movies with. Let's let's do this. And I was like, well, I've seen every anthology, like literally, I've seen every anthology. I know, you know, what the ups and downs are. I don't really want to compete with them. I feel like the Southbounds of the World and VHS and the new Creep Show that's coming out because that hadn't come out at the time on Shutter, I was like, look, they're going to cover those bases. Like, why are we trying to even enter that world? And then I took that weekend and really did a deep dive, deep dive, excuse me, into all of them again. I just kind of, I made a chart, like a literal chart of the things that I liked and didn't like or what I preferred a little more than others and tried to find something that was unique. And we said, hey, there's all the horror comedies. I haven't seen all comedies in one to that level. Um, you know, and then can we have each segment be a different horror trope? that we're like tackling, like a different set of horror tropes. And that, and the original title was called Tropes because of that, that was the original title. Then I was like, well, if the, if the movie's about tropes and it's called Tropes, then the title needs to be a trope. And therefore it was like the Chopping Mall or the Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, S thing, so we went with Scare Package. But, but the point of all that is it exists because, you know, we, had, we wanted to challenge ourselves, like what's like, uh, and it's all derivative. I mean, everything in Scare Package is derivative, but it's like, take it and do a fresh take on it. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, True Grit, which is a masterpiece, is not original, but True, True Grit is made, that what Coen Brothers did when they remade that film is something original. And I think that's what film can be. And you just have to find ways to kind of breathe, left, breathe life into it. We watched The Innocence last night um, wonderful, you know, 1960s horror film. And that movie, you know, became The Haunting of Blythe Manor, you know, that everybody's talking about on Netflix right now on that show. 
but the innocence, like you can see the, you can see where, where that began and, and, and there's a, and it's a very, they're very different, but you can see the seeds that have been planted. And I think so much of that is, you know, that's what filmmaking is about. It's like finding a way to do a new spin on it or do something unique with it. But, but be, but don't be afraid to know that like these amazing filmmakers have done this in the past and learn from them, you know, and build upon it completely. Well, what you and Cameron did and yeah, in case he's listening to this, yeah, I didn't mean to blow you off. I just didn't have your, um, you know, email address. I couldn't contact you. Sorry, Cameron. But um, <laughs> what you two did is something that I've never seen done, in, which made, I've never seen done in an anthology the way you did it. Was like you said, it was a love letter to every genre, but you didn't mock the genre. Yeah. There was a respect to the genre, even though it was comedy. It was parody, not comedy, and yeah, it was very yeah, respectful of all them. Yeah, how do you how do you find a way to you can poke fun at something while loving it at the same time? Like Jeremy, I poke fun at Jeremy all the time, but I love him. And apparently, so, like, my girlfriend to... thinks I love Jeremy all the time. So <laughs> that's okay. He'll quickly shatter that image. The more we talk, you'll figure it out. So. <laughs> You know, I want to, speaking of Jeremy talking, in Scare Package, you and Hontran and Byron Brown, first off, I'm from Buffalo, New York. I don't know if you know that. Our mayor's name is Byron Brown. You've you've spoken about that a few times on your show in the past episodes. You have, See, he listens. <laughs> um, and when I first saw in the credits, Byron Brown, I'm like, wait a second, how'd you get the mayor of Buffalo to be in your movie? <laughs> I don't know how he became a tall, skinny white guy. It really shocked me. but yeah, uh, lots of special effects. I mean, he's a great mayor, so it doesn't surprise me that he's such a great actor. Oh, yeah. yeah but really so much of the, the just the, the three of you in that film, how much of that was improvised? Because some of that could not have been scripted. I'm sorry. Um, I don't even know at this point, because there was... Uh, the great thing about Aaron is, like, Will, the first few takes will do pretty darn close to the script and i mean even when we improv it's still the lines that they wrote are still in there um but working with han and byron it was like i i couldn't even tell you at this point i'd have to go back and read the original script and compare it to what was cut because i mean byron first of all was just throwing stuff at me so hard that you know, it, it like I was having trouble keeping a straight face during our takes, and just the, yeah. and Han is just funny, just being himself. Like, so the combination of those different scenes, there was a few takes that I think we ruined uh, when it was just Han and and Byron, and I stayed around to watch because I enjoyed it so much, and I think like me, Aaron, Cameron, and everybody were laughing so hard, like we literally ruined a few takes i think it was during the goldie hawn thing and um it was just so ridiculously funny that that i couldn't even tell you right now what was what was improv and what wasn't i mean i know we went off the cuff a few times but you know it was pretty it was pretty close to what was written and uh you know the nice thing is working with these guys so many times like they a lot of times they'll write now in a way that they already know that is sort of already my personality anyway so it it just all blends together really well yeah and that was definitely that that line from ha- from uh byron playing sam that was <laughs> improvised the uh 
the Goldie Hawn one. And the first time, and he even was like, I didn't know I was going to say that. And then we definitely laughed and cracked up the take. And then oh. he's like, and then he apo- he turns to me, he apologizes. He's like, Aaron, I'm sorry. I don't even know where that came from. And I was like, no, do it again. <laughs> Let's do the take again. Just lean into it. I love it. Just do it. So he did that. And then and then he improvised the balloon fetishist as well. You know, like that part, he improvised that. And then Jeremy improvised the, uh, the whole, like, uh, you know, he doesn't know. Like, we were pointing to your heart. The whole thing was like, like that's you know he's like that's one and you're like oh. you don't know how much this hurts inside like that thing like you improvise <laughs> that. and then and then you improvise the lines like uh the my little panda bear and pikachu <laughs> like a little friendly stuff to han those are improvised but then the rest of it um almost i mean because i've thought because i've had this question has been asked before it's probably kind of no um the rest of it is was pretty much on brand with what was there yeah, what we wrote. And, uh, I mean, we write stupid stuff, so it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's nothing stupid about, you know, making Han Tran clean the piranha tank. No, I mean, <laughs> that, was, that made me laugh so much. Like, just the idea of that. And just the idea of, like, this failed promotion back in 2010. That, like, he's having customers put their hands. I, want, I really wanted to show, like, a flat. Like, if we had the money and the time, I would have shown a flashback. Of a cut, like a cut, like a woman with her kid, like leaning over the edge of the piranha <laughs> tank. Kid puts his hand in, and like the you know piranha gets it because we actually put if you if you watch closely, it's just hard to tell. There actually is like a ring. There's like a, like a like a couple rings from like fingers that have been like <laughs> chopped off with the piranhas that are there. And then in that scene too, one of the best things that happened. I mean, it's, I feel bad saying it, but so the piranhas were shipped to us. They're actually not piranhas. They're like these look-alike piranha that are kind of safe, but they look just like piranhas. Um, they were shipped to us on eBay because you had to buy them like illegally. And, but two of them died in the shipping. Um, well, actually one died in shipping and then the other one died like right before we started shooting. So only one is alive. Thank God there's one that's swimming. But the other two in the background is literally like, there's a photo of me and, and, and on the shot, I wasn't doing it, but we were, we were, we, we tied it to a string with a weight and we're like Ed Wood style puppeteering the dead piranha in the background to like make it jump. So if you see that one shot, that push in shot, you'll see it like you can tell you're like, oh, my God, I can tell that's totally puppeteered <laughs> dead piranhas, which I'm like, you know, it's endearing. Like, again, it's like the Ed Wood style filmmaking, um, which was just fun, fun for us to do. And I love I, I hate I'm, I'm sad that they died. No piranhas were harmed in the making of this film. Um, but they uh, they were very dead. Yeah, and the piranha even gets a credit as I believe his name is Kiefer Sutherland's um, designated, designated survivor. survivor. Yeah. yeah, Kiefer Sutherland's designated survivor. That is courtesy of Alex Uding, uh, our post supervisor, who took who was like the piranha wrangler, and uh, he got close to one, and he loves Kiefer Sutherland, so that's where that came from. And sadly, that piranha actually lived for you know two and a half years and then when uh, everything happened in texas recently with the freeze and all that the prana died um oh. during this freeze but it was pretty big i mean this thing was like huge it was something like two and a half feet long yeah that's um, not a piranha. Of- <laughs> no i know exactly it's not it's um what is it called uh i can't remember what they're called now but they they look you know they're able to and then in post we were to change the color slightly so they look a little more like piranhas but uh, I yeah. used to work for a tropical fish wholesaler, and we actually <laughs> had a big tank of piranha. 
because they're legal to own for universities and storefronts. You could get a license if you have a storefront to put piranha in your window to attract people, I guess. Wow. Well, that was a real store. That video store is a real store. I guess we could have... You probably could have. storefronts. Yeah, that wasn't good producing on my part, I guess. But we were so, shipping yeah. them one time to this guy, and the guy next to me was putting them in the bag, and the piranha did bite through the bag and take a chunk of his finger off, which... Wow. ...was pretty That's fun. Because it wasn't me that got bit. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, anytime. Right? It's always more fun when it's someone else. Yeah, and you can watch and laugh. You're 19, you don't care. Right. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's so a, that's you, a line you, from uh, Boy Meets World where, like, they're breaking into that guy's house and he has a, a tank of fish. And uh, Ryder Strong, like, the one kid goes to, like, put his arm in the in the tank and he, he grabs him. He's like, wait a second, that could be a piranha. And he pulls his arm back and he's like, don't worry, I'll use my left hand. And he puts his left hand in the front and says, anyway, that's one of my favorite moments from Boy Meets World, and I think it's really funny. I just, the but, fact that you have a favorite moment from Boy Meets World, I, I don't know if that just gave I, you or took away cool points. It's one of the Yeah, I've never, I've never heard that before, Aaron. I, I don't well, know I, about it either. Well, no, so my producing partner, Ashley Sneed, with Paper Street, um, one of her best friends is writer, Strong. So we've, uh, since then, um, and we're working with uh, his wife now on a project, and uh Alexander Britta, who's amazing, amazing filmmaker. And but just through then I revisited some of the old uh Boy Meets World episodes because of writer. So that's where that happened. Just to give context. Well, sure. You know, just to, you know, okay. Yeah. Jeremy, you buying so it? I think that was kind of over explaining. I feel like I feel like he made that up. <laughs> I do too. I'm, I'm thinking I, mean, I feel like I feel like he's up in Canada and he knew he was gonna have to quarantine, so he, he got the like Blu-ray the box, box set. set. Right. And it was definitely for himself. That makes sense. Yeah. It I would go to that, let those depths for that lie, I suppose. Hey, it could be <laughs> worse. I've watched Scare Package like a hundred times since the since the COVID. That's definitely out. worse. Yeah, that's definitely worse. <laughs> <laughs> to my defense, most of it's me showing it to other people, though. So, well, that's cool. no, that's 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 part of what it's supposed to be. Like, we wanted it to be a film that. You could like have fun with a group of friends and casually watch and just you know. The other maybe ones are when I'm alone at three in the morning and can't sleep. <laughs> hey, that's it. That's if it puts you, you to use the, uh, the 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 cuddle pillow. I need the cuddle pillow. All right, we gotta um, get those made. I, I do want to get a little more in depth about scare package now because poor Lauren's sitting there going, Brian is just being an asshole, and uh, Lauren wanted to. See, Lauren is, and well, Jeremy knows this because he's a regular listener. Right. But Lauren is one of the world's leading experts on the suffrage movement and feminism. And is a big advocate. And the fact that you had multiple female filmmakers in the horror genre, which is pretty misogynist genre for them, usually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it's just really, I don't want to use the term woke because that usually means boring these days, but you're like woke in a good way. Sure. I'll take that. And Lauren loved, we were talking about our favorite segments and she's like, oh, girls night out of the body. Oh, cool. That's wonderful. Lauren, you there? Yes, I am. Yes. Oh, go. Those are my favorites. 
Yeah. That's so great. Yeah, that's that's Courtney and Hillary Andahar, and uh, they're they're phenomenal. You know, they were they were filmmakers that are part of the Shutter Labs like a few years ago, and they went to UT in Austin, which is where I'm I'm primarily based out of. And so we had like a lot of mutual friends, and they're production designers. So they were production designers. They just like for example, they production designed Freaky that just came out this past year. Um, they've done some big movies, so I knew they had this like design aesthetic, and they had this, and yeah. it was kind of this. They wanted to do this like bubblegum pop giallo kind of thing. And I just, I just fell in love with what they were pitching. And it's funny because I think, you know, the tone of scare package, like to me, their, their segments hilarious. And I think some people like don't get the comedy, but if you really watch giallo films, I think you do, you know? And I mean, they, there's even a, I mean, there's a literal cable net sweater killer, you know, at the end. I mean, it's just, uh, it's so great. And I love the, I love the soundtrack that they got. Um, it's just, yeah, they're they're fantastic, and and that entire approach was really important to me because what I realized was I was like, wow, I get to pick whoever I want for these things, and and you picked you know there were some yeah yeah right that's the thing I wrote it for him you know he was contractually obligated for that one, but he got to pick his filmmakers. <laughs> yeah, they were they were much easier to work with, um, and. Uh, but no, no, I mean, you know, yes, I, I wrote, there, it was written for Jeremy the entire time. There was never anyone else that was going to play a rad chat but Jeremy, to be very clear. Um, we never offered anyone, never went through that, anything like that. And, um, but, and we have something else that we're doing. I'm like, nope, just, just Jeremy. That's what it's going to be. That's who it's written for. It's what I, I, I understand the tone of the voice. I can see what it is. I can watch it in my head and I'm cracking up, like picturing him delivering these lines, doing these wild things. Um, but, uh, but in, in regards to, you know, hoping, like I'm a proud feminist and hoping to find ways to, you know, um, just, just support different filmmakers that have different point of views, because that's the great thing about anthologies. You have different point of views of horror comedy, you have different point of views of how to do this. And I would, um, I would posit the argument that every segment has strong feminist undertones, um, throughout it. You know, I mean, we have, I mean, there's like an anti- you know, uh, you know, man group, you know, thing with werewolves, like that's pretty overt, you know, what girls on our bodies doing. You look at the opening, um, you know, with, uh, with that, that Emily Higgins did. Um, and then, I mean, even in, you know, the segments and the pieces that I did at the end, you know, our final girl, there's like a moment where you have the jock and he's like, Oh, let me help you. And she's like, no, I got it. And she like breaks the, breaks the, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, breaks, breaks the heel off her shoe and rips her shirt. And he's like, okay, like you got it. You know what I mean? Like clearly because she does. And then every time in like the men in those segments make dumb decisions constantly. And in the background, the women are like rolling their eyes always like, what the hell is up with the stupid dudes? And that to me was fun. You know, and if you watch Zoe Graham, who plays Jesse in the background constantly she's just like rolling her eyes like oh my god are you really and one of my favorite ones is actually um radshad's hero moment after uh, uh joe bob's laying there and he stands up you know and she she puts her hand on his shoulder and he puts his hand on her hand on his shoulder and it was like no <laughs> you know this is what i have to do and she's just like what it's like oh no that's what it is he, she says uh chad we have to go and he's like no you have to go and then and she's like what why are you, this makes no sense and she walks away and i love that moment so much um it makes me so happy but again it's about giving them 
you know, giving giving these women their their you know understanding their place in the movie to where they get to drive things, and it's not they're not just reactionary to everything that's going on. Like you know, they have they have a purpose, and they're they're varieties of different people that are kind of you know that are all in um, not necessarily subservient parts, right? And that's that's important as well. But yeah, that's a that's I, I appreciate that being brought up because it's important to me, and it's important in all the movies we make. You know, and it doesn't have to be political; it just has to be right. And that's the thing, you know, it's not only having the the Andohar sisters and female directors, but the female writers, um, the female point of view in a typically male-dominated genre, um, Mm -hmm. which is so funny because the female point of view is usually, there are very few people that write well for women. Ingmar Bergman was famous for writing better for women than he could for men, and he admitted that, and he didn't know why. And so many mm-hmm. horror films that are written to be from the women's perspective are just, they fall flat. And this one doesn't. And, yeah. And that's awesome. Well, I mean, I will, I will say, I mean, I definitely, you know, there were moments in the script where I was, like, nervous about, like, hey, I want to make sure this is coming across the right way. We're understanding. I mean, I'll give an example. There was a time where Rajhad says slut in the movie and like that was really worrisome to me for a long time we actually recorded alternate takes of that because i was like i don't know is somebody going to take this because it it was it was about like understanding what he's saying that like he's not calling them that this was we're we're actually commenting on society and and the, the basically the old school guard of filmmakers who put them in that box and now we're saying we're making fun of what that was. And I'm like, ooh, I hope people get that. I hope they get the complexity of what that is. And I gave it to a number of, uh, you know, trusted female filmmakers and female critics that I know. And I said, tell me, you know, like, tell me what, what you think. And, and people that I trusted said, no, 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 leave it in. That's great. Like, I totally get it. And, you know, Zoe, um, who plays Jessie, who was, you know, the, the, the actress in the part of that scene, she was like, oh, I love this. Like, I love that you're commenting. It's commenting on the fact that that's what people did, not us saying that's what it is, if that makes sense. It yeah. makes perfect sense because you nailed both um, horror stereotypes from the time that we look back on now and realize, holy shit, that was fucked up. But at the mm-hmm. time, we never thought of the black guy getting killed first and the woman being the yeah. slut. And in that one scene, you nailed both of those. Very, very cleverly and hysterically funny, especially the way uh, Jeremy reacts when he says, uh, I'm a British guy. Did I yeah. hear an accent? That's him, that's him, that's him improvising on that. Because we, I'm trying to remember, we had a different, he, he, I think the line was written, it was like, a buh, 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 like he just stutters saying it. And then the guys, and then, you know, uh, Andre, uh, the actor is like, I can't remember his actual name in the movie, I remember Andre. And he's like, uh, no, 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 he's like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, and then and then and then that's when he improvised uh, British, and then you had four or five other variations. Okay, <laughs> there's like there's a whole God. I wish I had all the variations that you did. We did like ten versions of you know different things that he said after that instead of British, but I like the British one in particular. Well, and the joke really gets it. The joke kills when they go to leave, and he's like, "I don't follow him." <laughs> yeah, why? why? Yeah, he chases. Yeah, Chase Williamson playing Pete, like his, like, like, huh? Like his, like, peculiar, like, stoner, you know, so, like, sensibilities to that. I just think that take really works. But those lines, you know, I mean, on the page, you're, you write those things, and you're like, is this going to work? You know, how is this going to play? And, but 
when other people would read it, they'd be like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know Jeremy. Like, if you see Jeremy <laughs> deliver it, it's going to work. And you start to kind of see. And I knew I knew Chase. Well, as you know, you saw Kim Obscura. I've worked with both of them in Kim mm-hmm. Obscura. So, you know, I had really, I knew what, what they could do. And I wrote to specific strengths of, of theirs. And, uh, and it was great. And it worked out. And it's, but it's credit to them. The performance is what makes those work. Yeah. And, you know, since it sounds like I am just completely praising the two of you so much, I'm going to talk about a segment of the film that you weren't involved in, either of you, and that is One Time in the Woods, which <laughs> might be the single funniest horror parody I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. Well, to be clear, we did uh, we did approve that script. And no, 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 no. Come on, come on, get off. But, yeah. get off. <laughs> but that is Chris, that is Chris McEnroe. He's the first person I hired, and... He was, he was like, when we were making the anthology, and I said, look, I see a world of a horror comedy anthology. And I said, and I want it to be in the tone of a Chris McEnroy movie. Because we had seen his short films, and he's an Austin-based filmmaker. I had known him for a couple of years. I was like, this is, this is exactly what I want to do. And I remember the first draft he sent, it was like he had some like complete wild stuff. He's like, well, I don't know if this is going too far. And I was like, no. Go further. Just go, 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 go. So go. he took all of your we, budget. <laughs> the effects yeah, of that yeah, one alone. I mean, well, but, but, yeah, yeah. We definitely, we definitely stretched. I mean, you know, Kirk Johnson is the lead in that. I mean, they, they, I, when I was there on set for a couple of days, and they, they dug a hole and put him in the ground. And I mean, he's really like in the ground, you know, like with this stuff all over him. It's not a mechanical thing. It's pretty wild. But that's, I mean, that that segment is complete magic, and and that is. Chris McEnroy's, you know, sensibilities and just his comedic timing and the way that he his setups and payoffs. And again, that's what that's why I think horror and comedy work together really well is because they're about setups and payoffs. And, you know, Chris does that perfectly, like perfectly, where, you know, the guy falls and he's there. And then later, you know, there's the axe is there and he falls and then his head's like, you know, on the axe and the crotch and look there, you know, and who sets up what. And it's just it's just so it's so great. He's one of the funniest people. Um, and yeah, we're, we're working with him again on another project and I'm, I'm like over the moon with what that's going to be. So it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Chris is amazing. Now, Lauren, you've got to jump in real quick. Cause I know it's super late there in Wales and you got to go yeah. soon. So I got to let you in now. I have to say, um, when Brian told me it was a horror comedy, I did sort of, um, I was a bit nervous to watch it because, <laughs> I remember, well, I, I just, it, my mind went straight to scary movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, God, please, no. And he's like, no, no, it's not like that. And then I watched it, and I it reminded me so much of um, being a preteen and watching Are You Afraid of the Dark on Nickelodeon. Had yeah. that vibe to it, and it's just so great to have those types of things back on because... Um, I think horror was better in the 90s and the best horror was for teenagers and children back in the 90s with those with goosebumps and that. And I think that has the spirit of it um, and it's just fantastic and it's just great. And it just brought back so many great memories of, you know, actually being terrified of of, um, of children's programming. television. <laughs> That's so kind of you to say. I think that's one of the mantras that we had for every filmmaker was horror with heart, right? So it was just 
horror doesn't have to be look i i'm i love hereditary you know i love babadook the witch and i like a lot of these um you know the a24 stylized horror really moody horror stuff that's going on i even love you know lars von trier and that world i can watch all of that but what's i think horror can be fun and i had fun watching these movies as a kid and so we wanted to have fun doing this and i think so much of it is yeah, it's like, you know, what would you watch at 16 that your friend brought over on a VHS tape and you're like, I don't know yeah. what this is. And then it's, you know, Bruce Campbell, you know, fighting with his own arm and stuff. And it's like, this is wild and fun. And, you know, that kind of world was what a big thing of what we wanted to evoke. So that is um, that's that's a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, praise there. And thank you so much for that. Especially yeah. since she's from the yeah. land of the video nasties. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, actually, those are more your films that we banned. With that, got banned <laughs> because uh, these ch- these underage children apparently saw Chucky and then um, tied and then killed a toddler. Mm. They did, it, it, there's no proof that they never saw Chucky. So yeah. it's just kind of reactionary. No, that was but all no, propaganda. It, yeah, that was all yeah. propaganda. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah. It was because the UK they've never done anything scary. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Nothing going on right now scary at all. What's happening in the UK? Yeah. It's all just just fun stuff. Nothing but fun there stuff. There was um back in the early 90s, it was 1992 on Halloween, they did um this it it was completely um and utterly fake, but it got the BBC into trouble. Um they did uh they did it was meant to be a live paranormal investigation called Ghost Watch. I've seen it. It's wonderful. <laughs> It is, <laughs> yeah. and um, and and they got into so much trouble for that because somebody got so scared by it. They apparently thought that Mr. Pipes, which was this entity that was um, mm-hmm. in in the in the show, was coming to get them, so they killed themselves. So it was never. It was for the, for the longest time they 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 weren't allowed to repeat Ghostwatch on television, and it was never on video or anything but now you can't get it on dvd but yeah so we've got into trouble by trying to make horror accessible for halloween <laughs> oh i mean i think i always heard that was a rumor too whether that actually happened with them but but i will say it, i think Ghostwatch is brilliant it's absolutely brilliant it's one of the best like meta examples of you know trying to connect with the audience like beyond what's happening and it has a very you know like war of the worlds kind of you know teleplay you know history to it and what kind of happened i think that's really fun um i think yeah i think it was somebody i was about i don't know seven eight years ago was when i finally got to see it i had heard about it for years and then i finally got to see it fell in love with it and yeah i mean look i will say i've i i, w- I want to make a documentary about it because it's so there's so much rich story there around what happened and why it had to go away and the rumors and what's there and that, that type of filmmaking. Um, but I think it's also time for that type of filmmaking to have a resurgence. I think transmedia marketing, I think can be really, really interesting and immersive filmmaking, I think is part of the future. And that's part of it, right? It's just like kind of getting people to well, believe in this whole psyche and what's there. Now, if you yeah. want to do that project, you have a researcher in the UK now who can help. Wow. <laughs> have you seen the anthology show Inside Number Nine? So I actually have not because I can't get. I I know of it, and I could not get a copy. And then the one on YouTube, 
There was one I found on YouTube at one point, but then it got taken down like pretty quickly after it. Um, so no, I have not seen it. But I tried to when I was watching all the anthologies. Uh, is what, there's one show that is very similar to Ghostwatch, and they did it live, and it's called Deadline. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I hadn't watched it all the way through because it comes up. When I watched it, I watched it on catch-up television, and it came up that there was an error with the programming and they couldn't continue and that they were going to repeat an old one. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought, oh, I'm not going to watch that then. Then I talked to somebody and they said, no, no, stick with it. It's part of the story, part of the narrative that this happens. And it's just amazing because it's not just um, their narrative as well. They bring in things like, they bring in clips of Most Haunted. They bring in interview clips where they're being interviewed about, do they believe in ghosts? It's fantastic. Mm. And it's just great that they that they that they play on these many tropes as well. But I do love Inside Number 9. Lauren, did you, say, did you say catch-up television? Catch up. Because I'm like runs, right? Catch up television, as in you have these like BBC um, iPlayer. I'm a fat guy. I was thinking about like you know burgers and ketchup and things. Yeah, I will say I did not know what that meant when you said it. (laughs) (laughs) You people talk funny. I figured it out. (laughs) Well, you listen to other episodes. You've probably heard her say it before. Exactly. I'm I'm used to her. There's a really good documentary called, uh, or not really a documentary, it's a fake documentary called Lake Mungo that's kind of had a big resurgence recently. I think some people, some prominent filmmakers have, have championed it. But Lake Mungo is another one that just feels much more real than it is, you know? And I think, but I've always loved that. I mean, even the old, uh, like back in the day, there was um, there was an X-Men video game on Sega Genesis. And I remember you get to a certain level. And in order to progress beyond that level, you have to hit, it says, please restart your machine. And I was like, well, wait, you can't hit restart on the actual machine. I, I can't do that. Like, it needs to be, like, my Nightcrawler character doing that on the screen. I, and for the longest time, I couldn't figure it out. And there was no internet for me to, you know, research this or whatever. And then finally, I just hit restart on the actual Sega Genesis. And then that's what progressed you to the next level. And it blew my mind. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I've always remembered that. And I was like, how can you take a movie home with you? You know, what are those things? And without giving it away about things that I'm planning on doing in the future, but that, that is something that I, I, I strive to do is to find, you know, more of that kind of transmedia marketing and immersive filmmaking and just, you know, letting it, you know, if you pause the movie at this time. And I mean, I, I will say we did, a, we did a hint of this on Scare Package 1. So if you got the, the Radchad's uh, cards for his, uh, the Ratchet's Horror Emporium, like, you know, we made, you know, rental, video rental cards, right? I have If one. you go to that, okay, so if you go to the back of that and you go, have you gone down the rabbit hole of this before? Of like, if you I go have. to ratchetsrentals.com, then, then you go there, then you, and if it says enter your membership number, you enter the member number that's on the back of the card, then it'll play a video of just basically Radshad like pretending like he's you know reading in front of a sunset and then like he starts talking and he tells you this whole thing and then at the end of that it says to call this number then if you call that number you then get a voicemail and I made Radshad slash Jeremy record all these variations of voicemail so I changed them up from time to time and then you get a voicemail from Rad Chad, and he's like, sorry, I'm out burying, you know, whatever, some, like, hidden ornament from, you know, whatever, some, like, hidden African ornament that's, like, cursed or something. And he's like, I can't get to the phone right now. 
and then you leave a message. And if you leave a message, then you get a text back from quote unquote Rad Chad, aka me. And uh, that text back has suggestions for horror films for you to watch with like a photo. And like all of that exists right now. Uh, we haven't been doing it for the past few months. We did it for, to promote the release and went after the release. And that's fun. Like I, I remember calling Freddie when I was a kid, you know? There was a 1-800-FREDDY number, and I got in trouble because I called the Freddy number too many times, you know? <laughs> and uh, I love that. So I was like, oh, you need to be able to call Rad Shad. So that's where that came from. So, like, that kind of stuff, you know? And we never advertised that that was the case. We just gave the card, put a URL, and, like, were people willing to go that far and do it? And, and that's – I love stuff like that. Isn't it kind of creepy that we were encouraged to call Freddy? Yeah. No, my nephews would love that. No, Freddie did bad things that. to kids. No, my nephews would love that. He's one of their favorites. And Chucky is. I worry for them. <laughs> I think they're, they have a They'll great turn out just fine. I, I was one of them. So oh, was I. And I'm... Well, now I'm worried about them. <laughs> I was going to say, Jeremy, we got to go back on this like cool points thing because he was talking about the X Men Sega Genesis game. That was okay. Oh, was you're giving him the they get cool points for that one. I'm going to give him a pass on that. I mean, literally, he was watching Boy Meets World last night. That's a little different. That's true. I mean, I wasn't. That's not true, but whatever it is, what it is. <laughs> Either way, the game was Cameron, pretty good. Cameron texted me and told told me he was watching it last night. Okay, he sent me a picture. I'm, again, I just jealous I didn't didn't have Sega Genesis. I think I had Sega Genesis, but I think I only had like one game for it. I, it was it was the game that either came with it or was like the first game out. It was like some wolf. No, I, you're Sonic? right. It was Sonic. Sonic is what came. Sonic. No, it was Sonic. Because oh, I, I did, did have Sega Genesis because it was the, the only Genesis one that had the George then, Foreman boxing game. Maybe it, it was the one right. Uh, the uh, Dreamcast. Um, Oh, that's Sega Dreamcast. That's a totally different thing. Yeah. Sega but Dreamcast it, was super expensive. That was rich right. people stuff. I don't know. But it went away right away. Like, it didn't last very long. It did not last long. So there was Genesis only, like, was a big deal, though. Genesis was a big deal. Like, that was a generational yeah. you know, piece of hardware. Well, when you call something Genesis, they expect it to last. It did. I mean, look, hey, we just had a Sonic movie came out this year. That's how big the Sega Genesis was, you know? Sure. So. Not as great as Scare Package. I didn't see it, but uh, I was too busy watching Boy Meets World. But, um, <laughs> but no, I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I got to bring Jeremy back into this a bit because Rad Chad is... <sighs> okay, I read the interview you did with Fang, um, Brew Morg where you say Rad Chad is rad. Yes. Do you... <laughs> Are you saying he's not? Oh, I'm no. I'm saying he's beyond rad, but... Uh, oh. What would be so beyond rad? rad? that Brian wants a body pillow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How the hell did you wrap yourself into the Rad Chad persona? Because he is such... He's such <laughs> a subtle stereotype. I mean, he is a stereotype, but it's a very subtle one. And you didn't I, I, overplay him. It's... Well, I just, I have this weird thing when, when I, it was like when they sent me the script for Camera Obscura and, uh, you know, they, they like, when they sent me the script, the name in the script was Jeremy and 
I, I had no idea they had to send my audition on to like higher ups at Universal. <laughs> so I read the script and I and it, it was it would just kind of it kind of spoke to me and I sent them this like ridiculous like twenty minute off the rails like totally uh much of it was probably not appropriate for most audiences um audition back because he's like well look he goes i need to show this to some people just to you know get you you know approved and i remember aaron called me back and he goes he goes hey man look like we're all rolling on the floor laughing but um uh can you can you stick to the script this time and you know don't don't uh, say anything about this. Don't say anything about this. Don't mention this. Don't say this. <laughs> um, and it was sort of. I still do that to you. I still say. You do. Please, all the time. Well, the please don't mention this. Please don't right. mention that. Well, you know, now well, the really... best audition would be just a one man show of uh, Boy Meets World script. <laughs> I genuinely don't even want. I'm gonna have to. Do, I'm gonna have to do that for his birthday. We're gonna have to like recreate a boy, a boy meets world episode. I think for him, or maybe we could do a live play. Ooh, I think I can um, think of three total moments in that show ever. Just to be very clear, so my favorite was easy to find, and it dealt with a piranha. That's why I thought of it. So let's just. I feel it's like okay. now you're you're trying to back out of it. Wasn't that the it. show with the, the 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 voice of the car in Knight Rider? Mr. Feeney, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Feeney. So you know, well, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. That uh, do you ever watch Knight Rider with the the SAP button on your television? <laughs> no, it's not no. called Knight Rider in Spanish. Really, it's El Auto Magnifico. The Magnificent Auto. I like it. But... It is a Magnificent Auto. Point of fact. That's literal. The Hoff hangs out in Lauren's hometown. Really? Yep. He used to. His girlfriend's from Wales, and he used to. But he's not been for ages, I don't think they... I think think they've moved back to America now. Oh, okay. So we have her Hoff hunting, like Bigfoot hunting? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I used to run into um, Hulk Hogan all the time because I'm, I'm I used to live near Clearwater Beach and he was always down there. That was very interesting. <laughs> no, he was a really nice guy. Like he soup like I'm I don't like I don't approach people. I don't bother people. Like like I so do. like no. <laughs> but like one day we were out we were at lunch and like he actually started talking to us. Like him and his wife started talking to us just out of the blue. You know, which was really cool. Um, you know, so that was fun. Terry Balea. Terry Balea, yeah. Mm-hmm. So did he? Uh, did he kick your ass? He did not. He did not kick my ass. Was he more intimidating he was... than Dustin Rhodes? Uh, I would have to say no, just because every time I was on set with Dustin Rhodes, he was uh, he was he was in the Devil's Lake Impaler gear, so. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say Dustin Rhodes is is was was more scary than Hulk. That's right, because you weren't there for the flashback uh, sequence when he's right. like, you know riding the tandem bike with the kids, which is and... absolutely hysterical. The shot you get of him smushing the ice cream into the kid's face might be one of the <laughs> hardest laughs I've had in a movie in years. Oh, that's so great! It's like it's fun. Like 
I couldn't believe I'm like, I wonder, is Dustin really going to do this? Like so much of what I write constantly, I'm like, is an actor really going to do this? Are they going to let us do this? And then everybody's excited to do it. And we go, so yeah, I made him, you know, pretend like he pushed a kid off a swing and played tetherball with a, you know, three foot six, you know, cancer patient. And, you know, I mean, that's probably not, I don't, I don't think that's anything anybody likes doing. Well, Aaron, um, but you know, he, it's if we're having fun, we're having fun. He was so. gold dust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he has a problem doing anything. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Like, so actually, I remember when we were shooting the ice cream scene, we actually had to go because ice cream was so hot outside. The ice cream melted so fast, and we had to get more ice cream to do a couple of the shots. So we we're doing this whole montage, you know, sequence. So you shoot a lot of footage when you're doing that. And I remember we were waiting for them to bring more ice cream. And he's like, you know, talking to me. And he's all nervous. He's like, I got to go talk to Vince. I leave tomorrow to talk to Vince. But man, that is because I'm, I'm telling him I'm retiring, you know. And he was all nervous about it. And it's a whole thing. And I remember that. And um, he's like, he's, he's just the sweetest person. The sweetest yeah, person. Yeah, I got, I got to talk to him a little bit. Are you a big wrestling fan? I, I I couldn't. It looked like you were pointing on my screen. It looks like you pointed to Jeremy, and I was like waiting for Jeremy. But I realized I'm always pointing at Jeremy. On my screen, he pointed to you, Aaron. Are, are I mean, you a big wrestling say, fan? Uh, I mean, I knew I know I knew that Hulk Hogan was Terry Bollea. I'll put it that way. Um, so yeah, yeah, I grew up a big a big wrestling mark. I was a big wrestling mark growing up, and kind of I would say when the WCW WWF like merged, you know, pre WWE when they merged and like the Eric Bischoff years and all that, like I was really into that stuff. Um, and then, and then after that, it really kind of, you know, I watched like Monday Night Nitro every week, like WCW Monday Night Nitro every week. It's only because it was on right after Boy Meets World though. (laughs) (laughs) One joke. There's like one single joke. Well, I am going to shamelessly self-plug myself now, in a way, because my book, uh, my book that I just wrote on, a wrestling history book, uh, just came out this week. Um, oh, cool. And uh, I'll, I'll send you a copy. I'll get a uh, mailing That's address awesome. off air, and I'll send you a copy of it. But uh, Dustin oh, and I talked to a little bit uh, about his father, because part his father's yeah. in a part of the book, and he's just such an amazing sweet nice guy yeah yeah and it's weird because i am not a wrestling guy. i haven't watched wrestling since like the late 70s early 80s mm-hmm. but as a historian i was brought in as the co-author and most fun thing i've ever worked on um yeah there's a really, really interesting history there like a really really fascinating history when you look at with like the consolidated so, so does your book go into like the the, the like aught days of wrestling yes like, when, when it was like regional and then and then it all oh, moved yeah. together and all that like i think that's really fascinating like, well what, what i wanted to do like, is i wanted to do a his all these wrestlers are all dropping dead so young yeah, yeah and what happened was there was a wrestler from buffalo named dick buyer dick the he was the mass destroyer dr x and he passed away a couple of years ago and he was like 88 and I'm like, you know, no one ever talked to them and got their life stories and the real behind-the-scenes stuff. So let's try to get as many living performers as we can and do an oral history type of thing. Mm-hmm. Then the publisher's like, yeah, we can't do that. No one will buy it. How be it we do? So we kind of went a mix between my idea and their idea. 
and a good friend of mine, Dan Murphy, who was head writer for Pro Wrestling Illustrated for 30 years, and I did this book by interviewing every living wrestler we could get, guys in their 90s to guys that are wrestling now, to talk about who the truly greats were. Not the most famous, but what was great, what made them great. But Dustin we talked to, and he, just, what a guy. Um, and his father, is, there's cool. a section in the book about his father, so... Oh, my God, yeah, Dusty Rhodes, you know, like, I mean, you know, the natural. Um, there's something great, you know, about that family and, and what Cody's done now with them and AEW and the new resurgence. Like, that's something I'm interested in because I know a lot. I followed it very closely just because of Dustin and becoming friends with him and seeing what he's doing and just being so happy for his new success there. Uh, but it's just cool, you know, that's that's the Rhodes family, you know what I mean, just continuing – continuing to do their thing but I, I i will say like i think there's really there's a really fascinating history of and like for all the problems that vince mcmahon's had i think there's something genius about this consolidation that he did of like these regional wrestling matches that would happen and like these massive wrestlers would wrestle every single night in a different city for these different organizations and finally they kind of brought it together as one it was like really smart and there was something really really cool about that but yeah there's a there's a lot of interesting stories about those people that you don't the ones you don't know about, the ones you don't know that uh, weren't put over as, you know... Oh, like, and the book's full of do. that, yep. Yeah, yeah, there's these great people who, like, would have been the best, you know, and would have been something but didn't really have... Like, one of my favorites is Bret Hart. He was definitely put over, but then his, you know, the Hart family and what happened with them was awful. Like, I had a dream as a kid. I always wanted to go, and I wanted to be the kid that he, like, went in the audience and put the Hart glasses on. Like, that's what I want... To the point of, I know somebody, actually, Jeremy, you might know him too, his name's Jeremy Schreckengost. He, as a kid, got those glasses put on him as a kid, and the amount of times I've almost, like, punched him and stolen them from him, I can't even tell you, like, but then it's like, it, it's, that's really cheating, but I, I want to buy them. I could, uh, I, want. I might be able to yeah. arrange that, though, you know, I, I might be able to arrange <laughs> to get Brett to put glasses on you. Oh my God! I know his brother talking, quite well. We're talking, so. we're talking fandom here. That'd be that'd be like that'd be one of those things. That would be one of those like checkbox moments. Um, even even me, like I, I you know, I'll be forty years old and getting glasses put on me by Bret Hart. But I would take it. I would do it, and I would probably cry under those big glasses <laughs> as like a kid. So yeah, but yeah, yeah, I love I love wrestling growing up, and just again, not for many many years watched it again, but. Um, but yeah, Dustin, you know, we wanted a big lumbering guy. And and to me, you know, you talk about the these iconic and like what really makes, you know, Robert England work as Freddie and, you know, and makes uh, Kane Hodder work, you know, on the latter Friday the 13th and, and these people is that they're able to evoke so much emotion in their body movements and the way that they kind of control people through subtleties and what they're doing and they know when to exaggerate them and they know when to reel them in. And a wrestler has to do that in spades. They have to, they're used to working in a small stage with these, you know, 20,000 people that are there, and they've got to sell something to make it work for people up in the top. And like, how do you do that? And then, and then they've also, they're also so animated, you know, there's so much going on in their eyes. And um, I cast people because their eyes all the time. And Dustin has these like beautiful blue eyes. That, you, that just like they pull you in it's like they're so evocative and there's so much going on and 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 i think you know you want to humanize the killer like that's always important to me 
Um, so I, I really wanted to be able to see that. And when I saw that, I'm like, he can he can tell, you can know everything that's going on with just his eyes. And I thought that was really fun uh, to do. That's a credit to like Dustin's like legitimate acting abilities too. Like he's got that, you know. He's he's very charismatic. And had I not had I known how good Dustin was, I would have written probably. Although I didn't really. He would have played Red Chad. If you. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, possibility. So yeah, Jeremy keeps his bad jokes up. Like we'll see. I well like, yeah. yeah. I'm lucky to make a sequel. It'll be Dustin Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Now, he can't be that much bigger than you, Jeremy, because the scene where you two face off, I mean, you're like nipple height to him. That's the magic of filmmaking there. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not that tidy because, you know. That's Edward Norton hugging the Because if you were that short, then Han Tran really is two foot one. He is, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was definitely, I mean, look... there's there's multiple scenes. I mean, even the the over the shoulder before he axes uh, Sam Byron. You know, even that. You know, we cheated him at spots, but if you but clearly like there's plenty of other shots where you can tell if you were to match it up. Like he's a, like his his height changes throughout the entire sequence. Really, when you get in. Oh, I'm so. glad you went back to to, to Sam to uh, to Byron for a moment because please tell me that that shirt he was wearing, Wanna Taco about Jesus, was your idea. It was. I bought the shirt. That and it's is called awesome. Let us, let us, and it's one a taco about Jesus, and then underneath it it says "Let us pray." So <laughs> it's the worst shirt I've ever seen, and that's why he had to have it. So yeah, it was that was great. Was I great. love it. And I've learned, I've learned that they after Scare Package, the makers of that shirt have sold a lot of those shirts now, and I'm glad that we were able to give them a boost. I wish they sold them in giant fat guy <laughs> sizes. I would buy one. I actually think they had like a 4X or something. I remember. Um, I can't recall. I mean, they had, they had, because we talk about buying them and reselling them um, and like having, you know, Sam sign them or something or reselling them, whatever. But yeah. All about merchandising. Well, I mean, it's weird. Like I wasn't supposed to be, I mean, we're not doing this for that, but it's, it honestly, it's fun. Like for us, like we made trading cards and I just, I love them. Like I love the fact that we got to have them and, you know, it's in the stickers and stuff. And I mean, I a lot of this is, oh my God, if, if a few people buy this, that means I get to have one. <laughs> like that's part of the appeal, you know? So that's that's part of what this all is. Uh, and yeah, I mean, people, people like this stuff. So if they like it, we'll keep making weird things. I mean, I still want to make a, 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 an actual action figure. I mean, I want to have a Rad Chat action figure and like a Goo Guy action figure. Like that's... But, you know, we, we haven't been able to justify that cost yet. But we'll see. If enough people watch it and if we're able to make a sequel, maybe that's possible. So, Well, they should because it is. It was the best horror anthology I've ever seen, the best horror comedy I've ever seen, and it was the film that kept my sanity during the pandemic. Oh, I mean, those are, those are the highest praises, but I will say the fact that we helped to keep your sanity is what means the most because, you know, it just needed, especially in June of 2020, there's so much going on in the world. And I was like, wow, I was nervous about the film dropping, but I was like, you know what? Like somebody watches this. I mean, even if it's not their bag, they're going to at least have fun for a, for a minute. You know, they're going to have some, some, uh, some time just to like, they're not going to think about the, the shit that's going on. They're going to have a little escape. And if someone can have that, that means, 
it means everything because again you know going back to what I was saying that's why that's why I want to make movies to begin with is to hopefully give someone uh, you know a way to kind of like not deal with the shit that this world throws at you and say like you can kind of like get away for a bit and and if I did that we created that that someone can have like that's the highest praise imaginable now you're doing another film right now will there be, will there be a dead Buckley in it <laughs> so I'm producing right now what we've done is uh, <laughs> we've produced um, a few films for some oh, other folks so because, I'm in Florida and he's in Canada <laughs> I will say, so, well, first of all, in Canada, we have to hire Canadians, so that's a big part of what we're doing here. My um, grandfather fought in World War One for Canada. Counts. I'm pretty sure I could get a pass. We'll, we'll see. We'll look at that. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, we definitely want to. I mean, we're, one of the things that happened was, you know, we made, we released a Scare Package and a Pale Door, you know, in just a few months, you know, and, and I got to kill him twice in both those movies, and that was wonderful. But then we started producing for other folks, so we've, um, you know, that was something I wanted to do was, while I had some of these opportunities, it's like, let's try and get some other folks' movies made. So we've, we've made now uh, four movies. Uh, no, sorry. I, I, I mean, my company, we've done four movies. I've now produced five movies in the pandemic alone that, we, that are now in post. And then the sixth movie we're on set with right now. Um, so those are not Buckley, unfortunately, Chronicle projects. Uh, but um, you know, but there are there's there's a lot coming. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and you know why yeah. Toronto? I mean, I love Toronto. It's like my second home. I, I, I love it there. I grew up there pretty much. But, you know, we're, we got a big booming film community in Buffalo now. Buffalo is growing as a film hub. And we're in the on the verge of building one of the biggest state-of-the-art studios on the East Coast. Um, yeah. Major motion picture, major Hollywood productions done here. They did Quiet Place 2 here. And, uh, you know, you, yeah, no. you got to bring to Buffalo. Well, we, we did. I mean, we kind of did. We shot a film in Newburgh. Uh, the one we did right before this, we shot in Newburgh. Um, New York in upstate New York and uh, in the Valley, and that was called Old Man that Lucky McKee directed and Stephen Lang's the star of, and so we produced that. And then yeah, I mean this one kind of made sense for Canada just because of there's benefits like there's you know Canadian incentives that are pretty high, the exchange rate just just it, I mean we're where we're at in our filmmaking careers it's just we have to go where the money makes the most sense. And the dollars made the most sense in Toronto for this movie, but uh, but I, I enjoyed making the movie. You know, we, we finished that that one in um, February. And, you know, hey, so just just you know, Lauren, watch this. Like I'm going to convince him to do Buffalo. You come to <laughs> Buffalo for your next film. I'll get you the best wings in the history of mankind. Ooh. Oh my God! So if Cameron heard that, wow. Would he would lose his mind? So Cameron's a wing connoisseur. Oh no, yeah. Really? Well, I got the best, and I'm not too. talking anchor bar, the typical bullshit. The greatest wings in the Dance. history of mankind. I will take you guys. You come to Buffalo. In fact, when you're done shooting, you should just. It's an hour down. You just drive down to Buffalo. We'll get you those wings. That is, I get. So Cameron actually flew into Buffalo, and then crossed the border. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's it not? 
No, well, he's legal. That's legal. He, that makes no sense. Um, he did it legally, Jeremy. It's called a joke. Jeremy had to insert a joke. He had. He's like, it's time for a Jeremy joke, guys. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, you guys fly out of Buffalo. You hit me up first. No, we'll get you those wings. That's, that's tempting. We're supposed to go down to Ohio immediately after first. We have another feature that we're doing a couple of days on. Um, but I, I guarantee you, I will at some point take you up on that because I'm so curious because I love wings and it's I mean Cameron's obsessed with wings so that'll probably happen. Oh, we will so get I you the best wings. wings. In fact, my brother who's psychically linked to me right now is drooling because we were talking about you know I got my first shot he's got his first shot we both get our second shot next week and all he said to me was, "You do realize in three weeks we can get Duff's wings again." That's all it's all about. Right. It's not about saving lives. It's not about the pandemic. It's about we can go get wings again. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I'm about getting the wings. Jeremy, you in for some (laughs) wings? I love wings. When we shoot the next Buckley Chronicle in Buffalo? I have a a passion for wings. If they still allow me to be a part of it, sure. (laughs) Well, at worst case scenario, if we do one in Toronto, we'll just cross the border when when I don't have to quarantine every time I go back and forth. Because if I didn't have to quarantine every time I go back and forth, I'm not kidding. Cameron and I would probably just drive over there like this weekend. Oh, well, I, I, would, I would say come on down. But they got the border yeah. closed. You can't even do that now. Yeah, I mean, we, we can because of the film, but we have to re-quarantine when we oh, enter back in. we can. Look at us. We're special. Do <laughs> you see this? We are. Hey, we are doing, what is it? What is it? What's the term for it? Um uh, yeah, it's a required services hey Sarah, or something. Could... Come here. Yeah. I'm bringing my girlfriend yeah. in just to like mock you for saying that. I mean, it's not. Say hi to Aaron and Jeremy. Say... Hello. I didn't say that He's was bragging the thing. that they like... can cross the border. We couldn't go to I'm the not... Decemberist concert, but they can cross the border. Oh, that would have been fun. Was there even... was the Decemberist concert even allowed to be open? Because all of Toronto. All of no, areas. they canceled the show. No, yeah, I figured. Yeah, See, they did there an you go. Streaming one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I totally get. It. We should. It makes see... you. If it makes you feel any better, Brian. I can't cross the border either because I'm not a part of their film. No, but you can come to Buffalo. We can wave to them from here while eating wings, true. just gnawing on wings, waving to Cameron and Jen and Aaron. Get a wing gun and shoot them over the border. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's let's. I, I need them. I need them to stay. No, we're gonna do this. I need them extra crispy though. There's like a whole thing. Oh yeah, I do too. Yeah. Yeah, I like extra crispy. I just need a nice hot sauce. A hot, hot, hot sauce. Right, but I gotta ask you guys, you don't do that fucking ranch bullshit with wings, right? It's blue cheese, right? It's blue cheese. I get it. I mean, I like, there are certain specialty wings that I'll take that I'll do ranch, but yes, like old, just buffalo wings, blue cheese dressing, yes. I don't I don't dip my wings in any sort of ranch or blue cheese. I, I, I go with a super hot sauce and I just eat them like that. Well, that, that, that's okay, but if you're with us and, and you order ranch, my brother might kill you Buckley style. Now, I order ranch sometimes <laughs> with my celery. If they offer celery... Oh, I celery go, comes with buffalo, like real wings and buffalo? Carrots wife, and celery. My wife goes with blue cheese, and I also enjoy the blue cheese. Yeah, blue cheese is where it's at. Lauren's just like rolling her eyes going, you guys eat weird shit, but have you ever had UK food? I haven't, actually. <laughs> I have, I have. There's some fine. Some, it's, I'm sure it's fine. It's fine. There's problems. If you, you ever go ate. to London and you go to the Royal Albert Hall 
and there's a hot dog truck outside the Royal Albert Hall where the hot dogs look delicious, don't ever get one. <laughs> I'm hoping to go to London this August. Because so. he can cross any border he wants, Jeremy. If it's for a film, <laughs> I won't be there. <laughs> Jeremy, you got any projects coming up? Uh, no, I'm not doing anything. we got to make a film. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do actually have a few things that are, that are down the pipeline. I was uh, down for the count for a little while. I blew out my ACL, so I just got that reconstructed in February. Oh. And uh, thank goodness the uh, physical therapy is actually going a lot faster than they thought it would. So uh, I'm up. I'm pretty much up, and I'm up to about probably 90, 95% right now. So the doctor was actually worried that, I, like, my muscles kind of recovered too quickly, and he's worried now that I'm going to go out and, like, play sports and because the the actual ACL is still weak. So I'm supposed to wait six months. See him bragging about the muscles growing, so he's like the the Hulk over yeah, here. No, no, not at all. No, but you know, I would I would be bragging if I could cross borders. Yeah, me too. With a Boy Meets World <laughs> box set. You know, did that I'm make just... your customs, or did you have to order it once you got up? <laughs> How do you declare that? You know, they did they did give me. I was rejected the first time. I, I went through to do a, a location scout. And I brought a prop with me from the last movie. It was a skinned rabbit. It was like a fake skinned rabbit. And they thought it was a real skinned rabbit. And they were like, they were freaked out by it. And there's, there's like, between this like little holding cell of glass. And they're just holding this like woman holding up this like dead rabbit. It's like, what is this? You know, shaking it. I'm like, it's not, I'm a told you I'm a filmmaker. You know, like what's going on? But they were not having it. They were not liking it. I'm a filmmaker. I cross borders, damn it. That's what I do. They don't like that. They, look, I'll say, like, to their credit, they're like, no, nobody's crossing the border. And I'm like, well, I have this permit to do this because of this, and I'm bringing jobs to Canada. That's, like, the, that's the point here, and that's why they allow you to do it. So Now, have you gotten to experience Toronto? It's a great city. I have previously. I went to the Toronto uh, International Film Festival a couple times, and it was wonderful and beautiful. And, yeah, I mean, actually, I will be spending uh, a good portion of my time back and forth between Toronto. We're going to open an office, uh, most likely, in Toronto for my company, Paper Street Pictures. So, um, yeah, so I'll spend even more time. I, I, I love, love, love Toronto. Yeah, I love and it. you're an hour from Buffalo at that point for the best wings yeah. in the world? Wing, wing, weekend. What it sounds like, so it's going to happen. I mean, seriously, considering how much time I'll be spending in Toronto, and it's only an hour drive, and, and actually, a decent amount of time in Hamilton and Burlington, which is even closer. Much closer. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll make a forty-five minute drive. But I, I'm already just thinking about like flying up there for it in my head at one point. So you sold it that much. That's how much I love the wings. So. Oh, and, and these are the best. You've never had wings like this. I mean, everyone says they know the best wings, but I'm born and raised in Bowen. Look at me. I look like I know wings, okay? Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. And Cameron, you know, Cameron does things. I guess that should be on my bucket list. Buffalo wings? Yeah. yeah. Buffalo wings in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're just afraid to come up here because of the red Chad you know, body pillow. Well, I'm just I, I want you to get And now that I know you got the torn ACL. So that part of part of the condition of me having the wings isn't that I have to snuggle with you afterwards. You know that is part of the guest obligation. 
to be on the show. <laughs> that is why I brought uh, Hollywood on the show a couple weeks ago, just for the snuggle. Nice, nice. I and like last it. week, you know, Dr. Christopher Impey, physicist, great cuddler. Are, are physicists good cuddlers? I, that one is. Lawrence Krauss wasn't as good a cuddler. Huh. It it's, makes sense. They understand the science of it. You know, they yeah. know how to, like, maneuver. And they right. also they also can get that friction going just right. Loretta so, Swift, great cuddler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren is just disgusted by all of this right now. I'm just thinking about all the people you have to cuddle, and some of them are hilarious. Baker's <laughs> <laughs> writing a yeah. resignation letter right now. She's getting ready to email it to you. Yeah. <laughs> so I quit. Um, so. Um, Jamie's got to figure out how to do a Welsh accent and take over. <laughs> See, you could be oh. in my movie, Jamie. Oh, well, that's sweet of you. At least somebody wants me in their movies. I am going to yeah. kill you, though. <laughs> I've only hired you more than anyone else you've ever met. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> you know you I gotta killed more. I gotta get shit. Yeah, I kill people I love. That's what I do. <laughs> you kill your friends. Although, I guess... I, I, passage. I, I do genuinely feel bad because uh, he had to drive us to set when we were doing the part of Scare Package in the hospital. And we would like the '80s music and sing the whole way there, and like I didn't even think about the fact that he really like had so much going on as the director and producer, and like he probably had to get his mind right on the way into work. And me and uh, Justin were just like cranking the tunes and and singing like teenage cranking, in the backseat. Yeah, cranking the tunes is like one a nice way. Of- of putting it they were obnoxiously yelling the words and then i would say please stop and then they would get louder in the car and and they they didn't take it seriously whatever i wanted to kill him for this because i'm like i'm trying you know i'm trying you're blocking shots in your head yes i'm trying to be professional as a director like really really hard and i'm just like this is my lead actor and i want to fire him right now what tunes were they jamming to? Like what eighties genre? Uh, oh, one of them for sure. Oh no, I remember. Culture one Club. Of them for, no, 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 no. It was uh, uh, was it not Jesse's? What is um, the whatever's mom's got it going on? Stacy's mom, whatever's got it going on. Stacy's mom's got it going on. And that's ridiculous so loud. And just kept doing that. And um, and then eight seven six five three zero nine. Just doing that. <laughs> And then, and then, and then I, I would tell Jeremy not to do that. And then during the day, he would come up into my ear and then just go eight, seven, six, five, three. Like he would do that later. He did that two or three times. Yeah, so it was a thing. As much as me, as much as he makes me suffer on screen, I make him suffer off screen. And you wonder and you're why you're not in Toronto cold. right now, Jeremy. That's probably no, why I'm that's... not in Toronto right now. <laughs> no, no, genuinely, genuinely, if I. If I could, I would find Emily a... probably asked him, like, hey, how is he to work with? And he's like, just tell him he's not allowed to work in Canada. Just, I'll, <laughs> I'll make it. No, no, genuinely, because of the border thing we're talking about, bringing people from the States across the border is, like, a really big deal. You have to, like, show... Like, we can as producers, because we're hiring people, but the difference is the actors that you bring over, you have to justify why that actor has to come over a Canadian actor right now. It's, like, such I, a... It's, I, it's no, a big, yeah. It's a rough thing. 
That and if he starts singing like '80s Canadian pop music, it'll be like all Brian Adams shit, and no one wants to hear that. Oh my gosh, I used to love Brian Adams. <laughs> I yeah. think after a breakup, early in high school, I like had the the one Brian Adams. I don't remember the name of the CD, but it was a it was white and it had writing in a circle, maybe around a tire. Very sad Summer, song. Summer of Summer like 69 was on there. I think yeah. it might have been the best of Brian Adams, but it was like all his sad songs and like. Well, did he, he do the? He, he he sang the song for the um the the Robin Hood movie, the Kevin yeah. Costner Robin Hood. Everything yeah. I do, I do it for you. And we're paying oh, royalties on that one. <laughs> and on that note, I have a hard out uh, for right now uh, <laughs> on this. And yeah, before you do go, before you go and leave me with Jeremy for the next two hours, I think. Um, I do. I also want to mention one more thing about Scare Package. Other than everyone should pick it up and buy it, and you know, give the give the address to buy it and everything. But and order your cuddle pillow and the cuddle pillow. But Alex's music for this film. Yeah. I not let you go without talking about that for a minute because Alex Cuervo's music, especially the closing theme, which I, I'm going to ask permission now. Can I actually use that song to close this episode only of the show? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. You got it. It's um, yeah. Alex Cuervo is a longtime friend, and he actually worked with me on a couple shorts back in the day, and then he also did all the music for the Pale Door as well. And and yeah, well, it was. I think. One of the things we wanted, we wanted consistency throughout each of the segments. And when you listen to, you know, other anthologies, they have different composers, different colorists, all these different things. They just feel they feel too desperate, disparate, right? And and I really wanted, I wanted cohesion. And so having a composer, so him working with all these different directors and finding ways to like start themes that can build in the core story that I'm doing with Jeremy, and then also kind of like you know ebb and flow into the other segments. I mean, that's artistry. That's real artistry. And he's, I love Cuervo so much. He's one of my favorite people. Um, and we just, we collaborate all the time. A movie I produced, he just did a score for that as well. And it's so good. That's coming out. Um, we haven't announced, we're about to announce it pretty soon. And he's, um, yeah, it's just a joy. And then that, so that song, the original ending song, I got the, the film, I showed the film to Andrew W.K. And he liked it and gave us permission for a while to use uh, the Ready to Die, um, you know, like that, that song. So we were using that at the closing credits, um, which was perfect. But then the the, stu- the label and everything, we couldn't, like, afford to spend the money to have it for the full film. We just had it when it played in festivals. And then, so I was like, okay, Corva, we got to write something for this. And I go, we got to do it fast. And uh, I actually went to his, his house, like, one afternoon, and he would, like, do something, and we try and come back, and come back, and I would work downstairs, and he was working upstairs, and we just kept like riffing back and forth, back and forth, um, until he got to like the everybody dies riff, and it's like it's amazing. Like we talked about making a, a full version of the song because it's only like sixty seconds, and we thought about making a full version of it and doing a music video of it too, um, but uh, you know that's I just don't have the time. <laughs> there are all the things I want to do, but yeah, Corvo is so talented. And I'm so glad that this is opening more doors for him. And, I mean, I think he's a revelation. And I truly think he's going to be one of, like, the biggest composers 
Um, and so many people are going to continue to work with him after this because it's just he's remarkable, remarkable. Oh, the music for for Pale Door is amazing. With Scare Package, he hits every theme perfectly. I mean, every yeah, you feel like you're watching it. It's it's mind blowing. A, a amateur musician my whole life too, and it makes me jealous. But that <laughs> yeah, is. He's- Crazy yeah, you, you said Crazy you talented. had the perfect song for them. You didn't. You had a great one because what you got now is the perfect ending song. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I, at that time, I was so disappointed to not have NWK ending it. And then this happened. And it took. It just took me a minute because I was so used to that at that point. And then now I can't imagine the film without it. You know, I can't imagine the film without it. But that's, and he wrote that in a day. Like, that was one day. Uh, he just, you know, we came up with that and he did it to the beats. So like when the explosion happens and when we cut out and he did that so perfectly and, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Quero's, Quero's a revelation and, uh, there's, um, you know, he, he's, he's going to continue to do music for me in a number of films. So, yeah. And I know we've been going way too long for you guys and that's unfair of me, but I can't help it. I'm a fanboy too. So please tell me you'll both come back on anytime. Um, Jeremy, you can come yeah. on without Aaron, too. You're allowed. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I won't allow that, though. Imagine yeah, how man. many Boy Meets World permission. events could make if he wasn't interrupting and, like, getting angry about it. Fucking typical. Um, no, like he should... Uh, just Boy Meets World jokes. Yeah, we can go, keep going. Episode, we'll see... No, we'll see how far your Buckley Chronicles continue. We'll, we'll see how far <laughs> Buckley uh, meets world. The end. Yeah. Hey, that's interesting. We're, that's I'm not I'm not opposed to that actually. Um, but uh, no, yeah, we should do. And the next time I get to do a nice Buckley death, or you know, um, uh, if we're you know we're ever lucky to make a sequel to Scare Package, then maybe we could you know talk about it after that. That'd be that'd be pretty rad. Yeah, and I will definitely, I'll, I'll email you afterwards. Uh, we'll set up a, you know, way I could send you that book. I won't send it to Toronto because who knows how long you're going to be there, but I'll get you a copy yeah. of the book. Jeremy, if you want a copy of the wrestling book, yeah, awesome. I'll get you a copy. Um, definitely we'll get wings as soon as you can get to Buffalo. Duffs. But Duffs wings, greatest in the world. Lauren, before Aaron, we let him go, you go got anything Duff. to add? I think we should go to Duff. Duff there and then and then just send him pictures afterwards like once we book them oh look what not crossing the border gets you these delicious wings <laughs> i've got nothing to say other than i think you might need a wing cannon rather than a wing gun that's true well you know like the 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 guns that they use that like shoot shirts at crowds we could we could make something that would hold the wings with enough pressure i think we can get across the border yeah, How close know. to the border are you allowed to come, Aaron, without crossing? I mean, it's about 100 yards. Okay, okay. I think we it's could do possible. that. possible. We might need a physicist on board to help us create something. <laughs> I know we where know we can people. find a few. We know people. I, I know people who know people. Exactly. There you go. There you go. So, Aaron, well, before you go... Dish the dish the uh, the addresses where we can order stuff. Oh yeah, okay, great. There's uh, I mean, you can find you know, scare packages, relatively easy to find if you search that. Um, and there's the paperstreetstore.com and Paper Street Pictures are our main site. And you know, we've got our own podcast, Paper Street Podcast, and some fun stuff on there as well. And 
Yeah, we're, um, you know, we've got uh, a lot of movies coming, and you can find The Pale Door and Shudder on, or The Pale Door and Scare Package on Shudder right now. Um, we've also got, uh, you know, signed Blu-rays, posters, uh, you know, fun, all kinds of fun stuff on both films that are available. And thank you so much for ordering those and, you know, being a part of that. And just like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the kindness you've shown to our little movie. I mean, this was a movie that we made when Camera Obscura, I'm even seeing that, you know, like there was a lot of things that went wrong making Camera Obscura and it was really hard on me. And I took, you know, it was a lot to get through. And now Scare Package was our palate cleanser. It was like, just go and make something with a friend and do something different the way we wanted to do it. So Eddie. just to, you know, and it was all independent. Yeah, and Jeremy. Uh, and uh, just all independent, raise all the money ourselves. And, you know, so the fact that it's connected with people like yourself, it just means so much. So really, really appreciate that. Yeah. And soon Red Chad throw pillows, uh, body pillows. Body pillows, yeah, yeah. Very possible. Very get possible. Myself. It's on a list. <laughs> uh, makes, that makes sense. That's I the most really, actor I thing. I trading cards. I meant to order those, and I never even got them. Uh, oh, we can... We'll send you those. Thanks, but you do have a crocheted version of yourself now. I do, I do actually, and I and I keep it in my office. <laughs> and, so uh, awesome! Yeah, so, I mean, she, gosh, she does such amazing work. It was funny because when I when I ordered the one for Aaron, she kept uh, writing me, and she's like, "Well, you know, does he have any tattoos?" Does so I'm like. <laughs> I'm like stalking his Facebook, <laughs> like, you know, like sending her pictures of his arms and weird stuff like that. And uh, but man, she did an amazing job. So yeah, yeah add tales from the stitch. She does. Yeah, it's just so cool. I mean, it was so cool when she first did it. And, uh, to be able to share that too is is really neat. She just did an amazing job. Lauren, what you got to say before we let him go? Thank you very much for joining us. It's been fantastic to meet you and speak with you after watching your film. It's fantastic. I can't wait to hear the uh, next podcast run after you put this one. Thank you. (laughs) Are you going to order a Red Chad uh, body pillow? Of course. You know what you could do in the interim? You could could talk to the girl from at Tales from the Stitch and just have her make a big (laughs) crochet. Like a carnival size red. <laughs> like a carnival size crochet doll. You just like a The neighbors would talk at that point. They they probably would, especially when it got delivered. Yeah. I would I would set that on fire. Like that is that would scare me. Like that's no longer cute. That's just not that should not happen. Although a giant like, one would gosh, be an amazing background pop in a film that. without anybody referencing it. It's just there in the background. Right. That's possible. I'll think about that. I'll think about that. Very possible. Guys, I really cannot thank you enough for joining us. And please, anytime, anything you want to talk about, I know Aaron, you're a film nut like I am. If you want to come on and just talk history of films and filmmakers that you love, we could do that. doesn't have to be about anything in particular, just a, you know, I'm stressed out at work. Let's have some fun and bullshit for a while. You're always welcome here. Jeremy, anytime. I really appreciate it, man. Like, it, it like Aaron said, it means the world. I, I remember some movies that I've seen in theaters that I just walked out with a smile on my face and it made me laugh for like weeks after. And, you know, you share it with friends. And I really think that's amazing that, that 
this film has hit home with people, and and that's awesome. It's rad. It is rad. And I can't wait to go back and re-listen to the 76 episodes again because <laughs> I feel like I almost have them memorized. I was going to say, are you doing the transcripts of them just out of boredom? You're transcribing I them? I might have to. I might have to, yeah. Do you have a favorite, but anyway, you know. Uh, episode 16 stands out to me. That was good. And that was early. That, that, was, uh, that was definitely a good one. Yeah, episode 16 definitely stands out. I, I actually... When I have to do monologues and stuff for class or for different things, I actually take some of the transcript from episode 16 and I'll I'll uh, I'll make it into a monologue and and do some of that. How do you do? How do you sound imitating Lauren? Does it look good? Um, it's all right. I mean, it's not great. I'm working on it. Um, so there you go. It's mediocre. The best. Lauren Buckley might be in the next film. You better be careful. <laughs> Give me ideas. I know. Yeah, when, we the, when we do the ketchup episodes, it's the... um, <laughs> good stuff. It's all right. Good times. Oh, guys, thank you so much. And I just, anytime you guys are welcome back on. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. We'll have wings. We'll talk about movies. But again, thank you so much for the support and uh, being patient as I got this scheduled, you know, in between these movies. So, but it's fun. Yeah, a lot of really fun. I appreciate it. Enjoy that movie in Canada, and um, you know, I miss you, and and I wish I was there with you. Yeah, we were just on the phone with Cameron yesterday. Like, <laughs> like just stop it. You know what's going on. Ridiculous. That was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. Lauren, how how great were they? They were fantastic. I think I think uh, I think, uh, I, think I, I have uh, new BFFs. Absolutely. And I do... and you're going to now watch. Um, you're now going to watch the entire box set of Boy Meets World to see if there are any <laughs> hidden no, but I am um, gonna... I am references of... that connect it to Scare Package. <laughs> I, I, do, I do want the red Chad body pillow though. Yeah. Well, Christmas now. Let's see what happens Christmas time. Oh, did you just say you're going to get me a red Chad body pillow? For Christmas. Oh, do you think I freaked him out with that? Yeah. I think they're <laughs> straining with us in the post. <laughs> I think he liked it. A little bit. I don't think his wife liked it. No. No. Sarah, of no, course, I... just rolls her eyes. Yeah. But hey... Red Chad Buckley, come on. Everyone's excited about the wings. I'm excited that, that, that Aaron's working on a new film. I'm I, more excited about the wing gun because I, I, I think I would like to shoot. It's like shooting in general, Lauren? Are you like, you want to be an American with guns? No, I just like, you know, it's like the, the um, pelting things that people... With the wing gun. Nice sometimes. Yeah, with a wing gun. Yeah, loading a t-shirt gun ready. with wings does sound fun. It does. <laughs> Sounds like it could be very dangerous if you accidentally get some hot sauce in somebody's eye, but Oh I that was that was thrilling. I am such a nerd because like I, I wasn't blowing smoke up there. So that film does mean that much to me. It does. And uh, like every every day for ages you've been having seen scare package. Every single scare package. <laughs> I, I think 
I think um, Shudder um, owes you some some um, advertising revenue. Yeah, no, I and, and it's that great a film, people. It really is, and um, I didn't think it would be possible for me to enjoy the film even more than I already have. But now talking to them. I do. I, I have an even deeper appreciation for the film now. Don't you? I do. You're going to watch it again and again and again? I am, yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, we're even going to have a very, very special closing theme for today's show. We are indeed. I'm so excited to hear it. You know, our normal closing theme, which is... Um, uh, Random Sanity by DZ, the great British composer. Uh, sorry, DZ, you're getting bumped this episode for Mr. Alex Cuervo. But just for one time only. And uh, before we uh, close up shop, Lauren, let's give our uh, our, 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 our uh, info. Um, you can reach out to us on Twitter at TA History. Or you can email us at trans.history.rambling at gmail.com. And Lauren, what are the rest of our, uh, our ways to reach us? Facebook, we are History Rambling with Lauren and Brian. Um, Instagram is at History Ramblings. And TikTok is also at History Ramblings, too. Yeah, we're going to have to start making some TikTok videos. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Nobody follows us, though, so... Yet. Just sort of like... Yet. Yeah. Oh, talking about emails, you didn't say anything. Has anybody commented about the story where I said about my sister finding the bomb? I'm saving that for when Tom Westcott is here. Because <laughs> he'll have fun with that too. So tune in next week to hear that. Again, a big thank you to the Shutter Network for providing me with all the entertainment and especially to Mr. Aaron B. Koontz. And Cameron Burns, his, pro- his partner, his production partner, his producing partner, his writing partner who was not with us tonight, but thanks to him. And of course, the great Jeremy King, Mr. Rad Chad himself for coming on the show and hopefully we could talk to them soon when their next project is done. Making... But yes, yes, thank you, Jeremy, for making all of... Um... Brian's little dreams come true. <laughs> and his impression of you was spot on, wasn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. It was a good Welsh accent. It's, be- it's better than your impression of Neil. <laughs> My impression of Neil was great. Yeah. You know what? Next week, we'll, when we have when we have Tom on, we'll all do impressions of Neil. <laughs> but for now, from Brian in Buffalo. Lauren Swansea. Good night. Good night. Have we had any emails?